Welcome to a mental health film comment. This is Brian here with you. A friend called Spider-Man is a, a nice little film I came across on YouTube from 2018. Basically, it's a um, high school student who is thinking about suicide and her new friend, Spider-Man, um, talks her out of it. And joining us today to talk about suicide prevention and, and trauma and related issues is Dr. Lulu. Um, Dr. Lulu, thank you for being here today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm honored. Thank you. Now, um, I wanted to mention a couple of resources uh, up front. I know that there are a couple different crisis text lines. In the U.S., you can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, to 85258. Depending upon where you are in the world, there are some others. So check your local listings, as they say. Um, Dr. Lulu, thank you for uh, being here today. I appreciate it. De nada, de nada. As a matter of fact, the U.S. commissioned in August of this year, they commissioned 988 as a 911 for suicide. So there's 988. I know the Canadians are like up in arms trying to get theirs also approved. So we can all have the same 988. So at, at this moment, I don't know what, what the holdup is, but I know that 988 is definitely in the works for, for suicide. For If you want to make a phone call, you can also just dial 1-800-SUICIDE or 273-TALK. So there are many ways around that. Definitely. And, and, and the, um, the three-digit one that you mentioned, I believe that that is in, in process as we speak. Yes. So it's, it's not in operation. And this would be for those in the U.S. Um, it's not in operation at this moment. But uh, my understanding is I think it's going to be ne next year. Next year meaning 2021 or 2022. Who knows? Um, I don't know what the holdup is, like I said earlier on. But I mean, the number has been, has been commissioned. It's been waiting and ready to be. So I'm not sure what the holdup is. But I'm happy about that. Correct. Um, now, one thing that I, I wanted to mention up front, and, and I mentioned this to, to you be, before um, we started recording, is that every day is Suicide Prevention Month, and every month is Suicide Prevention Month. And uh, I, I always want to mention that because the, the traditional textbook, or whatever you want to call it, suicide prevention month or week or day it always shows up what is it like september or october and whenever i, I see that i i just want to want to scream because yeah. it's like every day and every month and every hour and every week and every you know what i mean it's it's like i don't you know obviously i understand you know the reason for it to, to, to raise awareness but i believe in raising awareness of it every you know 24 7 to yeah. be um to, to raise that awareness of it constantly because if it's only being uh talked about and the awareness is only being raised only frequently and, and rarely and, and occasionally i don't see how effective a, a strategy that is as opposed to talking about it more more frequently 
Well, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, we don't, neither one of us in this Zoom space make the rules, <laughs> the rules. but I think more important than Suicide Awareness Day or Suicide Awareness Week or month, more important than that is that everybody can potentially stop a suicide. I think for me, that's my platform. Because if I'm waiting for the day or the month to come, I mean, that's, it's not on void. I want everyone to realize that they can potentially stop someone from killing themselves. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, my 16 year old son called me into the room and said, mom, mother. I'm like, what? He said, mother, come, come. And I went in and he showed me on his phone. His friend had typed something in their group chat and no one had said anything about it. And he picked on it. And he called me right away and we got in touch with the little guy and the little guy said words that I will not forget anytime soon. He said, no one has ever said that to me before. I feel like you saw me. That's what I want people to do. My son is 16. He's going up, he's a, he's a little tigger bouncing. Yeah. And, but yeah. he had the awareness to notice, wait, this kid is not, uh, mm -mm. that's what I want people to do. Empower each other stats like right now not next week not wait for the month of october or september or whichever i think one of them is mental health awareness month one of them is suicide it doesn't mm -hmm. matter every single yeah. day by every single person that's what i want i want all of us to feel like we know the signs we know what to look for and more importantly we don't say the things that we're not supposed to say mm -hmm. a lot sure. of people kill themselves because people say stuff like you're not really gonna do it that's very insensitive. Or why are you doing this to me? Or you know, making it about you or belittling. Yeah. It's someone that is in pain, significant enough pain that they want to end them, their lives. It's not to be joked with, ever. Absolutely. And so, so my favorite quote is: "A suicide attempt is not a cry for attention. It's a cry for connection. No one is trying to kill themselves to make you, you know, them to get even with you. No." So it's a lot of pain that comes from a place that if you haven't been there, you have no business trying to, you know, talk or say the wrong thing about it, so to say. True. And also a very universal um, thing as well. I know in, in the, the YouTube uh, film about um, Spider-Man, um, you know, making a new friend, that's a high school student. In actuality, though, this pertains across the board, uh, mm -hmm. whether someone's in high school, whether they're in college, you know, whatever, whatever the, the, the case may be, this is a very universal uh, concept and very universal uh, principle of being mindful of that and, and being aware of when someone is reaching out for, for that connection. Because they, they might not be saying it in the words of, Oh, I think I'm going to, you know, fill in the blank. You know, they won't always. It won't always be in those words. I mean, the the truth about it is, yes, it's universal suicide. Mm -hmm. Let me use it this way. I normally like to say suicide is an equal opportunity circumstance. Okay, suicidality is an. I have been suicidal, me, myself, and I. So it's not something that is like rare and far fetching. It is. It is an equal opportunity circumstance and any that the, the feeling of suicidality. Mm -hmm. However, not everyone is encouraged to 
say something, especially if you don't know what to say. And also not, not every age is mature enough to, to recognize that. So I'm happy to announce that my son is 16. His mother works in like, my hands are literally in the suicide arena. Yeah. And I'm a 16 year old might not. So I don't blame that person who doesn't. However, the youngest person that died by suicide in the whole universe was five. Yeah. The youngest person that died by suicide in America that we know of was six. And that's two different girls, a black girl and a white girl. So it's not something that, oh, you have to be 30 or I don't know, 71 or 26. Yeah. The, the suicide is second leading cause of death for children aged 10 through 34. And so in my practice here in San Antonio, that's my target audience. But really, the child who is suicidal at the age of 10, nine times out of 10, the trauma occurred earlier. So I'm working with parents and the schools and the guardians and the counselors mm -hmm. and everyone around that individual to have trauma-informed thought processes, trauma-informed care, mm -hmm. to know that a child who, who's seven who crosses the border from Texas is not the same child who is seven who lives in San Diego in, an, in a high-rise apartment. Sure. One of them has been so severely traumatized we have to recognize that. Good. You can't just treat it as a seven-year-old. However, the seven-year-old in the high-rise in San Diego could also be a product of incest or could have their mother being domestically abused. So I just want people to be aware of the fact that trauma is real, is not to be diminished. Sure. And therefore, we should all be on the lookout for traumatic events. And I like to say, that the, the triggers for suicide are usually within a hundred feet from where the person is standing. A lot of times it's someone else. Correct. Absolutely. Now, I, I did want to acknowledge and, and thank you for what, what you're stating and specifically the, the language and um, words in regards to suicide. Um, there, there's, uh, there's a outdated um, so, you know, and in many ways, harmful uh, figure of speech. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I'm I'm not going to mention I'm stigmatizing for that yeah. matter. And, I, and I I do mention it because I think a lot of people don't know. They don't know any better. Mm -hmm. And and to know something is to teach something. <laughs> Knowledge is power. And so when people come on my podcast, which is called Suicide Pages, when they say the words "commit suicide," I yeah, that that right there. Yeah. yeah, I let them finish and then I tell them with love. You can't, I, I cannot know something is not right and then let you go about thinking mm -hmm. you know it because I had to learn it too. My son taught me, he said, Mom, you know what? We don't say that anymore. I said, <gasps> Then I looked into it. This was a few years ago. I was like, Oh my goodness, yeah. you're right. But if I didn't have him to tell me, I would still be here. Not knowing, I mean, maybe not, but still yeah. just saying in the work that I do, I want people to know that there are six other ways to say it. And none mm -hmm. of those six is commit. You can say suicided, yeah. using suicide as a verb. You can say died by suicide, which is the easiest way to say. You can say kill themselves if you make them feel any better. Yeah. But just don't say commit 
if you can help it. And you can look up the, the reason why. Everybody should who's listening to my voice yeah, right now, definitely. go ahead and look up the reason why. So I don't have to tell you every single thing. Find out for yourself why people don't say commit anymore. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and so I, I, like I said, I, I wanted to just, you know, acknowledge that and, and just mention that because that is a, a very vital and essential part of any conversation about this is the words we say and the words that, that we don't say. So um, very, and very. Even how we, maybe even how we say it. And I come from a place of compassion for the person mm -hmm. who does not know. Mm -hmm. The truth is everyone I've ever met in my life who did not know that that's an outdated word is so happy that I tell them. So I have to keep coming from a place of compassion. You know, Definitely. I know you know that and that's okay. My biggest concern is not even people that say commit suicide. My biggest concern is people who think that people who die by suicide are selfish. This is my biggest fight because it's, there's a huge stigma already about the word suicide. There's a huge stigma about the word, the phrase mental health or mental illness, anything mental. But after the year that the kind of year that we've had 2020, yeah. if mental health challenges, which is what I like to say, I don't use mental illness either because I know better. Yeah. If mental health challenges do not become men's mainstay in everybody's home, yeah. then it needs to be. Mm -hmm. There's ever been a time when we should all now finally accept the mm -hmm. phrase mental health challenges. It's now. Because now we know that you too can be affected by mental health challenges. Definitely. Not the same thing as mentally mental illness, which is what my biggest fight is in America, is the fact that everybody is categorized under mental illness. But that is incorrect because there are four or five top mental illnesses that we know out there. And if you lost your job, during the coronavirus pandemic, and maybe your wife left you because you know she wants the man who's got $100 bills or whatever, yeah. or maybe you lost a child to Korea or your parents, and you become depressed as a result mm -hmm. of that, it is important that we do not just treat you with antidepressants, forgetting that before this trauma occurred, you were good to go. And that's my concern. This is my biggest fight with the drug companies in America who just give it out like water. But the truth is if a child, because again, I'm a pediatrician, if a child is being molested a la casa, like I like to speak Spanish, yeah. or being bullied a la escuela in school, that child does not need you or me to diagnose them with mental illness when they start having symptoms. That child needs you or me to ask them what happened, what's happening versus here, take this medicine. Oh, it's not working. Take some more medicine. No, there's a reason why in the last four years, prescription strength antidepressant use has quadrupled. In the last four years, suicides have tripled. We do not have the right answer. And so we need to sit down and ask ourselves, why do we have 30,000 people die by suicide after the Enron financial crisis? Why? Because they right. lost all of their money and they felt hopeless and useless and worthless and purposeless. That's what happened. So you can give them all the antidepressants you like. Mm -hmm. If you don't address them as a human being, 
like this person just lost everything he owned. By prescribing medication, what you're doing is further victimizing him. Like, well, you know, there's something wrong with you. So here's the yeah, yeah. we can fix you. No, last week I was fine. This is what happened today. That's why I'm not fine. That's kind of the mindset I want people that are listening to me to go. I'm not saying there are not people who need antidepressants. Yeah, and that's the minority. Yeah. That's Correct. the minority rather Correct. than the minority. Go ahead. Correct. And, and one thing that I do want to, to clarify is there's there's a, a term that you've probably heard, and I'm not a fan of this term at all. And the term is pill shaming. And for anybody listening who is saying, oh, Dr. Liu is saying for me not to take my meds. No, that's not what you're saying. And, and, that's, and, that's, and that's exactly what I just said at the end just now. I said, yeah, exactly. Well, there's definitely people, I'm not saying that people don't need their antidepressants, but I'm saying if you ask the right questions, mm -hmm. and in the case of children, when you look up mm -hmm. against the pediatrician, I'm the voice for the child. If you look up the last 30 child suicides, mm -hmm. If you look them up right now, you will find that almost 29 to 30 of them had been traumatized. So no child is born depressed and suicidal. They were happy, go lucky, and then something happened. That's all I'm saying. True. And if, if you go back and check it first before, because what happens is the kids okay, well, maybe that medicine is not working. Well, let's, let's change the dose or let's increase the dose. Yeah. But the child is still being exposed to the toxic environment, mm -hmm. either at home or school. True. They take the pills, but they're not, we're not taking care of the environment that the child is a product of that environment. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. And, I'm, and I'm very happy to hear you say that because like I said, one of my big pet peeves is hearing the word pill shaming. And again, that's not what you're saying. That's not what, you know, and again, if you need your meds to, to function, I, I, I'm i not, neither neither I nor Dr. No, Lou is saying not exactly. to take your meds. So. No, we don't know who you are. We don't know exactly. what <laughs> exactly. So, yes. Correct. Uh, so I, I do want to just acknowledge that. And again, I'm, I want to reiterate, I'm not a fan of that term, pill shaming. And again, that's not what, what you're saying. So I just wanted to clarify that. But um, again, the, 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 um, the, the trauma piece of it, though, is something that is not really, you know, it's not really discussed that often as it should be in terms of like a before and after. And if anything, it's something that those who do have legitimate diagnosis of bipolar depression, or whatever, that's something that almost trivializes their struggle if every you know what i mean if, if it, it, you. That, you see now that now you get me i'm so glad we're on the same page that's what i'm saying there's always going to be people there are always going to be people who have mental illness mm -hmm. however everybody doesn't have mental illness but when you look Definitely. at a country like america specifically mm -hmm. everybody is put on medication yeah. this is my concern because i come from a country where we don't have that luxury of psychiatrists and anti we don't. We have people who have those symptoms. We do, right? Yeah, definitely. India, Venezuela, wherever, right? We all, all countries of the world have people who are exposed to trauma and whatnot. So what my concern is when it's now a case of mental illness. Every time I see a suicide, I look mm -hmm. for it, like a little, little scan and I see yeah. 
feels. Never feels. Uh, I see depression. My concern is there is depression that is secondary to. That's why it's called PTSD. Exactly. Correct. PTSD is it validates what I'm saying. It does. Traumatic. We're giving. We're giving. Um, what's the word now? We're giving recognition to the trauma that preceded your symptoms. Post-traumatic stress disorder means something happens and we're acknowledging that that thing happened. And I will say in any situation, if you don't go to the root problem, what are you doing? You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. Definitely. And so why don't we go to the root problem? Yes, it's going to be harder. Yes, of course. Yeah. But if it's going to end up fixing the problem otherwise we're just in a vicious cycle kind of situation right yeah. correct right now I, i've got to ask you and again i want to reiterate for those listening you're not talking about pill shaming you're you know nothing of that sort so i just want to reiterate that but um are you familiar with um a group out of england called Dro drop the disorder think they're, mm -hmm. they're called they no, like uh, to meet them because I, I think i like the name already yeah men <laughs> much much of their objective or lack of a better word is getting to the a dialogue where it's based upon trauma that may have caused a situation rather than going to a definitive diagnosis first and you know the funny thing the phrase mental illness, the WHO actually declared a public health crisis for the stigma that comes with that phrase. And so you can see why if someone is misdiagnosed and already being treated, they're already stigmatized because wait, I'm not mentally ill is what they're gonna say, right? Yeah. So you're gonna say, oh yeah, because you're mentally ill, that's why you say you're not mentally ill, wait though. I yeah. lost my son or my house got burned down in the California fires or, you know, I don't know, something, I, I, my job, I don't know, I got fired from my job, something that was devastating that happened to me, I'm not mentally ill. And so it not only diminishes those who really do have mental illness, it also makes it almost impossible for this guy over here, who this is actually what happened, his wife left him, right? To, to, be, to be compliant, he, he or she is not going to want to come to see the doctor because I'm not, they, in their mind, they're like, wait, but I'm not. Yeah. And so you can see why they would jump. Because I'm on over here, there's a dissonance. Like, I, I know, but I, but, and then but every time I go to the doctor, this is what they give to me. And, mm -hmm. and because my podcast specifically talks about suicide, most of my, my guests have told me that when, just like I experienced this, this is not even my guest first, my, mm -hmm. me, when I was placed on antidepressants for about six weeks to six months, I forget the duration, mm -hmm. I got worse. What happened was I wasn't able to feel anything. That's not the same thing as feeling better. Yeah. Definitely. I was just coasting in a zone where I didn't even know, I was just in this zone, this twilight zone, right? Yeah. It wasn't really better. But then the mistake that they made, so to say, if I want to call it that, is nobody asked me, well, ma'am, so you're a lieutenant colonel in the US Air Force. Well, we know you, 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 you've, you've had your practice for so long and then you joined the Air Force. What happened? I would have said to them, when I got divorced, 
And I suddenly became a single mother of three black boys in America, a country that is all about racism and killing black boys. And then I joined the US Air Force as a Lieutenant Colonel, as a commander. And then I had to file bankruptcy because my ex-husband didn't pay so many years of taxes. I want you to see how it piled up. And then I started thinking, I'm a failure. It had nothing to do with mentally ill because I was okay until all of those things happened in the space of two years. It was a big match for definitely, me. Definitely. So yes, I had depressive crisis, what I like to call it. Yes, I had the symptoms of depression, but antidepressants is not gonna help me pick up the pieces of the fact that I was basically ostracized by my ex-husband's family. My children were basically ostracized by my ex-husband's family in a different country from where I'm born. My family is not here. I want you to take a moment to see who I was, the person that I became from all of that trauma. And each one kept adding up to the other. And then I had to file bankruptcy or go to jail. I want you to see how I could easily snap and giving me antidepressants versus recognizing me as a whole person who has been broken will not fix that. And so I was driving down the highway one morning trying to drive off because I felt, you know what? I don't want this life with this pain anymore. It didn't matter that I had three children. You see, that's the thing. People that kill themselves, I'm say, oh, I'm going to kill myself so my kids can suffer. No, they are just thinking that they want their pain to end right now. Definitely. And not about, oh, you know, and some people, yeah, eventually when they come to terms with the fact that, okay, bad things happen to me, but I'm not bad. True. And they can now make the journey, crawl out of that hole and then realize I have, I have stuff. I have a lot of things to live for. I've got three mm-hmm. children, my parents, but it took a lot for me to first not, not, and then every time I went, they changed the medicine or they increased the dose. And I want you to yeah. see that. And then when I said, you know what? I'm not taking this medicine anymore. Let me figure out exactly for myself. And this is not for everyone, but it worked yeah. for me. Exactly. Let me figure out what happened. And then I started writing down all the time. Like, oh my God, look at all this trauma. And then I was molested when I was nine and I was raped when I was in medical school. If you want to add all of that to that trauma, I now said, okay. But guess what though? Don't listen to me. Dr. Nadine Burke Harris, if you want to call her that. Dr. Nadine Burke Harris is currently the um, Surgeon General for the state of California. In 2014, she did a TED talk. In that TED talk, she talked about childhood trauma Why did she do that? Because she realized that all the patients that were coming to her office that were being diagnosed with ADHD, a mental diagnosis, were found to not have ADHD. They had childhood trauma. So it's not Dr. Lulu just talking off on a tangent here. Kaiser Permanente and the CDC in 1995 through 1997, did the study on 17,000 adults checking for their exposure to childhood trauma. And they found out, wow. So don't listen to Dr. Lulu. Look look it up yourself and see why we must recognize trauma for what it is, a real 
elephant in the room. Definitely. Um, and one of the things that that's, has, has bugged me and still does bug me considerably is, um, and, and I want to reiterate again that you're not talking about pill shaming and those who need their mental function. Um, I stand with you and, and you're, you're not alone. And again, nobody's saying to be, because you should not be ashamed of, of taking your meds um, and it's okay to take your meds. But, and I know that's not what you're saying. Uh, but one of the things that, that has, that, that bugs me is there has been almost like a pervasive attempt to put everyone, you know, a one size fits all approach, which kind of contradicts all of what you're saying, which doesn't make much sense to me because there will be the people with, with the trauma they've encountered, there will be people who did not. And so it seems disingenuous to me to be giving a one size fits all approach to everybody, regardless of the before and after, regardless of if they had, you know, if, if there was trauma, if there was adversity that they faced, if there was, you know what I mean? It just seems very disingenuous, much of the approach that we have right now. Well, that's why, I mean, I know you, you have, you feel a need to, 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 you know, give your, um, what's it called now, your... <laughs> oh, the, the, the obligatory Yeah, your little uh, thing, yeah, disclaimer about kill <laughs> And that's completely fine. Again, like I said, it's it's your podcast. You do yeah. whatever you want to do with yeah, it. Yeah, okay. But I, I, as a pediatrician and a child advocate, I am very, very worried about the fact that in the state of Texas, every two hours, a child attempts suicide. And the fact that four out of five kids who do attempt suicide, leave signs. This is where I'm coming from. So it is important for me that people know these numbers because numbers don't lie. Across the street from my house, we had a gentleman who killed himself in June. My sons knew him. So this is not, it's not about pill shaming or no pill shaming. It's about the fact that you must ask the questions that you don't want to ask, which is what is my role? in creating this situation that led my son or my daughter to not feel safe anymore. Not that you asked your child to kill themselves, but what is your role? Yeah. Were you there for them? Fantastic. Did you miss the signs? Well, did you maybe accidentally tell the child, you know, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. I had a, a mom approach me a few weeks ago. Her 13 year old daughter just killed herself in September. And then she, she first said to me, she said, She'd been struggling for two years. Well, first of all, she said nothing happened. When I, was like, when I asked her what happened, she said, well, nothing really. And I said, well, but what if something happened? What would it be? Because I was digging deep. I said, what if something happened? She said, my daughter was you know, beautiful at eight, at nine. So what if something happened? What would it be? Then she realized, she remembered that, well, in the last two years, her parents got divorced. One trauma, that's one of the, one of the yeah. what they call cases, yeah. adverse childhood experiences, that's one. And then number two, before they divorced, there was a lot of bickering and fighting and domestic abuse, two, three. Okay, so I said, and then by the time we were done, we had seven risk factors on the ACEs score. And then I broke it down to her. I said, ma'am, you know, children who have been exposed to trauma when they get older have a higher rate of suicide. Did you know that? She's like, I, didn't, I had no idea. I said, even though your daughter hadn't grown, it's the same, it's still trauma. And then she now says something about women when she goes to her dad, she was, the girl will call mom, come and get me. I, I feel uncomfortable. I want you to see that there's a toxicity around this girl. And for her, it was easier to say, you know what? 
I'm going to jump. Yeah. Not because she wanted to kill herself, because everyone who survives a suicide attempt, they'll tell you that as soon as they jumped or shot or whatever, they regretted it right away. Yeah. So they don't want to kill themselves, but they want this pain, this, invi this invisibility, <laughs> this lack of validation to stop. And they don't know how to tell you. And so that's the way out. Definitely. What, what would you say to those who might be listening today, who might be listening to the podcast, who are feeling like that's, that's the way for them to end their pain? What would you say to, to those who might be first feeling that? First of all, I see you and I hear you. And they're like literally today, thankfully, because of technology, yes. you know, we have phone numbers. And if you, if you text home or Steve or the letter V and followed by the letter T, so V as in Victor, T as in Tango, to 741741, you will get a warm heart, like literally on the other end, that's going to text you back. If you call the suicide hotline, there'll be someone there that will talk to you. Like literally, Definitely. there are people like live people. It's not a recording. But then again, what I tell my patients to do, again, these are my, my patients. I have them call five of their friends and ask their friends, what can I do to make you feel better, to help you see your day better, to okay. help you get better? A lot of times, if we just get out of that, two things, get out of the head space, but also get out of the physical space, go yeah. for a walk. My friend says, fold your socks, <laughs> doing something, anything else, usually that feeling will fade. The reason I did not drive off the highway yeah. was because I couldn't find an opening. Yeah. By the time I got towards the house, the feeling, that strong feeling, yeah. no longer there. I was able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So, and now I'm here today. Mm -hmm. I would have not been here today because I yeah. wanted to make sure it was an accident. I wanted to make sure it looked like an accident and I had no chance of survival. I had no seatbelt on. My rooftop of my convertible was down. I was going at 85 to 95 miles an hour, yeah. but it's a highway and I couldn't find an opening. So I need you to, to hear me when I say, you are worthy, you are needed, your life is important. You are part of the jigsaw puzzle of the world. And if we take your piece out, that puzzle will never ever be completely formed. So just think about it. Think about it before you do it. Don't do it. No matter what it is you think you're going through. All of us, most people say, you know, suicide is a permanent solution to a largely, largely is what I say, temporary problem. Largely because some is terminal illness, you know, all of those things, they are the high, you know, the, the top causes of suicide. Mental illness is actually number six. Yeah. <laughs> Not number one. Yeah. Not number yeah. two. Not number three. Yeah. This is another reason why I say what I say about the mental illness, just the focus on mental illness. Mm -hmm. You know, call me. I usually give off my phone number at the end of these things. Call mm -hmm. me. I have mm -hmm. my cell phone number. My patients have my cell phone number. It's 802-768-1180. Like, just call me. Just call somebody. Tell someone about it. Yes, I do recognize the fact that you have to know who you're calling and who you're telling you know, if you tell someone who's like, you're not really serious, we don't want that. Think about yeah. the person you're calling because this is a serious situation. Or 
call 911 or call the suicide hotline. Mm -hmm. Just reach out. Sure. So the first three things I like to use, the three R's. The first R is recognize, recognize yeah. going down that line. Mm -hmm. And then reconcile those negative thoughts because usually they are intrusive thoughts. Reconcile it with the reality. Are you really not good enough? Is there really truly nothing good about you? I know because I thought I was a full-blown failure until I, I had to sit down and say, wait, I wrote 100 things that were good about me. And then I kept going and I was like a thousand. I was like, okay. Yeah. And so they're challenging those thoughts and challenge them and then look at me and say, no, I am worthy. I am with purpose. I do have a reason to stay. And then the third R is reach out. Sure. Reach out to somebody. And if you forget the R's, try the three A's. The first A is acknowledge the thoughts. The funny thing about human beings though is we like to push the thoughts away and stack them is what I like. I put them in a drawer until one day it's full and it comes yeah. So the first thing to do is acknowledge the thought. If I'm having a thought right now that I'm I'm bad, I'm I'm a failure. I'm first of all look at the thought and say, um, what? You can tell them to come in, but don't take a seat. And then the second A is analyze it, almost like you know, reconcile. Analyze it. What and, is this? Yeah. And, and you know what? I, I sorry to interrupt. One one thing that dawned on me is a, with, with what the, the the reconcile part and the recognizing is. I'm fortunate that that I have very good guests who agree to come on, such as yourself, and very fortunate that that I have some of the the best people listening. And so, this right here with what you're talking about could be a, a very good first step for a lot of people, and a, good, a very good second step. And a third, you know, so um, so I, I did want to acknowledge that. I think calling. I think calling someone. I had a patient call me so that's why I, I always say that he called me you know so thankful that he called me yeah and he was yelling and screaming I need help I need help I need help and I, all I could think of was get I could I just yelled and screamed I said get out of the house and I literally took my phone and I ran out of my own house something yeah. just told me that the, the cry was a different kind of scream mm -hmm. and then I saw him in the office within 15 minutes and his mother was there and then the first thing we noticed was fresh rope marks he just tried to hang so I say, when I say, call me, I'm not joking. Like, literally, just call me or call someone. And then the third A is act based on your analysis. Mm -hmm. now, now that you've now analyzed the thoughts and you realize that it's not true. Nine times, if I 10 times out of 10 is not true. There's always something good about you. There's always something good about you. We have self-doubt and self-disbelief. and But the truth is, if you ask your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, whoever, if they could tell you something good about it, they would say, oh my God, last week you did this. The other week you did that, you know? You might need that for yeah. the days when you're feeling down because those things happen to every last one of us, right? Definitely. So. Well, um, as we wind down, um, I did want to give um, a, a few more resources. Um, I know that there is mental health america uh, their website is mhanational.org mm -hmm. there's also national alliance on mental illness nami.org mm -hmm. there's also maddenamerica.com now maddenamerica.com they have a lot of 
research and articles that are very um, in line with some of the um, comments about the over-medicating and over-prescribing. So that right there is definitely worth um, looking at um, as well. Um, how would people get in contact with you if they had uh, wanted to learn more? And um, if they, how would people contact you? Yeah, so I mean, my, my cell phone is, like literally it rings on my cell phone, 802-768-1180. Mm-hmm. My, my website is teen alive, T-E-E-N mm-hmm. alive. Dot com mm-hmm. because again I focus on teenagers right yeah, yeah. and then my practice is Dr Lulu's Youth Health Center mm-hmm. so my website for that is youthhealthcenter.com so I have two separate websites one is teenalive.com which is for mm-hmm. my speaking and cool. one, one is youthhealthcenter.com which is for my practice but generally if you just want to make an appointment everybody uses Calendly now and if you don't yeah, yeah. you should calendly.com forward slash Dr Lulu and that's it usually that that, you know, you get an opening and you make an appointment and I'll see you then. Because okay. I'm also a life coach and I, and I coach teenagers and physicians. <laughs> and yeah. I coach them because I am a physician. Mm-hmm. I have suicidal. We also yeah. have a suicide and then so the teenagers. So those are the two people that I coach in my life coaching business. Definitely. And um, and thank, thank you so much for, for being here today. I appreciate it. I think we've made... Um, a difference for hopefully you listening today. So um, thank you for listening wherever you are today. If you're at work or driving home from work or wherever you may be, Um, stay safe, everyone. And um, talk to you next time. Uh, Bye.